I have often said, get God's word in and you will live God's word out. Get God's word into your life and your life will show forth the evidence of the word of God working in you as you live in obedience to God's word. There's a lot in that little statement when I say, get God's word in and you'll live it out. It's not quite as simple as it sounds, is it? But even as I share that with you again this morning, I, I want to be clear that though we would like it to be easy, as, as easy as simply reading God's Word and becoming more like Christ, reading the Bible, growth in the Christian life is not automatic. It is not automatic. I'm not suggesting in saying that you get God's Word in and you'll live it all out. It's, it's just that simple. I'm not suggesting it's just that simple. But that idea does express, I think, the fundamentals of the faith. We need God's Word if we want to grow spiritually. If we're going to change, we need to read God's Word and and read it again and again. Those who place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in His finished work on the cross to save them from their sins, must be people who read the Word if they are going to take on the likeness of Christ and be changed and transformed as God desires we be. You can get started right, of course, by going to church, and we should. And you can get started right by choosing godly people to imitate. And and there's something to be said for that. And even the scriptures talk about imitating godly people. But that will only take you so far. You need God's word yourself. You need to read it for yourself. You've got to get the word in before you'll really start living it out for yourself. And the believer in Christ living out God's word is what James is dealing with in the passage we're looking at this morning. I want you to look with me at verses 19 to 21. Look at verse 19 as I read. Know this, says James, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, you might look at this passage. This is a familiar passage, especially verse 19, right? You might look at this passage and think, wait, doesn't this have to do with my speech, my conversation, being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Isn't this about my personal relationships with others? And I would have to say yes and no. (laughs) Yes, generally speaking, this is about our personal relationships. And I have even gone to this passage myself many times to say, look, we need to be careful, you know, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry in our conversation, in our speech with, with people, in our relationships. And James is going to deal with that specifically, that this that this attitude must be right in our relationships when we get to chapter 4, and specifically in verses 1 and 2. But here in the context of chapter 1, the context of chapter 1 is about our relationship with God, how we relate to God, and how we relate to God's Word. Up to this point, James has been challenging believers to think right about God when facing trials. 
Trust in God. Believe in His Word. Remember His goodness. And, and that in all things, God is in control. And God is only working for the good of His children all the time. Think right about God. Trust Him. Obey Him. Honor Him. Because your relationship with God must be right if you're going to have the right relationship with people. If your relationship with God is wrong, your relationship with people is going to be wrong also. And your thinking about God's Word must be right if you're going to benefit in those personal relationships by taking God's Word to heart and believing it and obeying it. You see, get your thinking right about who God is and what He is doing. Get your thinking right that His Word is good and His Word is necessary and that obeying it is for your own good. Get your thinking right that that obeying God's Word is not only for your good, but it's for God's glory. And that ought to be primary in our thinking. And your relationships with people will be affected for the better. Now, I am not suggesting that having good relationships with people will be automatic if you simply do as God's Word says. It is true, generally speaking, and I would argue that it is true, generally speaking, that when you do what God's Word, your relationships will only improve with others. As God's Word sheds much light, as God's Word sheds much much wisdom on your attitude and actions and conduct and speech, that is generally true that there will be a positive, God-glorifying growth in that relationship with others as you do those things. But even if we think our relationships with some people aren't better, because it's possible that you could be doing everything right and, and things don't necessarily get better. Sometimes they can get worse when you begin doing what's right. God-honoring. Even if you think your relationship is not better, there's still an opportunity in your response to God's Word by obeying it, believing it, taking steps of obedience, for God to be glorified in your response in that relationship. Remember, Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And there's a reminder there that sometimes it's not possible for you. It doesn't all depend on you. It's possible for you to do everything you can to bring peace into that relationship as you obey God's Word, but the other person has to be there with you for there to be complete peace. So you could be doing your best biblically speaking, and your relationship with someone else may not improve, but your efforts can still bring God great glory as you obey Him. Doing your part. Being at peace with an individual may not always be possible. It takes two willing participants to be at peace. You may be doing all you can according to God's Word and still lack peace with a certain individual, but your obedient actions bring great glory to God. In your obedient actions, God is glorified, and as you pray and obey and continue to pursue peace according to God's Word and God's wisdom, that God might be glorified, the peace of God, says Philippians 4-7, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Obey God's commands. Yes, personal relationships. And this this idea that we see in this first verse of our passage today is so important that we bring slow speech and you know quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger into our personal relationships. So yes, generally speaking, this familiar passage in James 1 
let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, is about our personal relationships. But here in the context of chapter 1, it's more specifically about our relationship with God first. And I wonder if if we've really noticed that before, because often, and I've been guilty of this, often we go back to this passage and just use it about our conversations with one another. What is James telling us about our relationship with God here? James is telling us here that to be in right relationship with God, one must be growing spiritually. That's actually what we're learning here in chapter 1. The, the proper growth of the believer and to be growing spiritually, one must be receiving what God has implanted in the life of the believer, and that is the Word. James says here in verse 21, look at it again, receive with meekness the implanted Word. Now may I ask you this question, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but do you want to grow spiritually? I'm guessing you do because you braved the weather this morning and you're here. So that's a pretty good indicator you would like to grow spiritually. I trust that's why you're here. You want to grow in your obedience to Christ. You want to grow in your spiritual growth, in your spiritual life. I trust you do. Do you want to grow in your walk with Christ? I trust you do. Do you want to mature in your faith? Do you want to be strong in faith? So that as we've heard James here in chapter 1, as we face trials, we're able to respond to those trials with strength, and wisdom and the faith that God gives, I trust you do want those things. And James is telling you here that your part in this, your part in the spiritual growth, the spiritual aspects of your life with Christ, your part is to receive the implanted word. Receive it. When you become a follower of Christ, God does a miraculous work in your life. God does a miraculous work in giving you a new heart. Now, not physically a new heart. Okay, God didn't just reach into you know heart transplant, but He does a spiritual work in giving you a new heart, new a new opportunity to start with fresh motivation, fresh desires, a new attitude, a new a new outlook on life. And we heard James speak of it in our last time together here when we looked at verse eighteen when we noted this evidence of God's goodness in the fact that he alone is the author of the believer's salvation. And when he said, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So God, what's the work God does? God brings forth his own by the word of truth. God does the saving. Okay? God does the saving. But how do we do our part? Because we do have a part, not in the saving. Christ saves us. That's complete in Christ. But we have a part in our own spiritual growth. What is that part? And there are five actions that I see here in verses 19 to 21. Five actions. If you want to write these down, these might help you remember them simply. Five actions that we must practice as followers of Christ if we're to be doing our part in this receiving of the implanted word. Note, James says, your first action toward receiving the implanted word should be to open your ears. 
Okay, okay. James doesn't say open your ears. I'm saying open your ears because that's what James is pointing to. James says to believers in verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. And he means specifically, I'm, I'm arguing here in, in the context, that he means specifically to hear God's Word. Be quick to hear God's Word. And that's really one of the first marks of the true believer in Christ. The true follower of Christ hungers for God's Word, wants the Word of God, can't get enough of the Word of God. The true Christian wants the Word of truth and is like the one in Psalm 1 and verse 2 whose delight is in the law of the Lord and on His law He meditates day and night. Do you want the strength that God offers you? Do you want the wisdom that God offers you? Do you want the knowledge that God offers you from His Word? He offers every believer this. He's not, he's not particular about who, who, who of His children get these things. He wants all of His children to have these things, but you have to want them also. It begins in God's Word, and the believer who is eager for the Word is the one we hear in Psalm 119 in verse 131 saying, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. So open your ears to God's word being preached. That's one way. Open your ears to God's word as you read it again and again. That's another way. Open your ears to God's word as you memorize key passages that will help you in your fight against sinful desires. That's another way. And that's the first action Get the Word of God in. Open your ears. Be deliberate. Open your ears. Receive the implanted Word and do it eagerly. Do you long for God's Word? I hope you do. Do you long for God's Word? If you don't think you do, start reading God's Word anyway and ask God to give you a longing for His Word, a hunger, a thirst for the things of His Word, the truths of His Word. Don't close your ears, says James, but do close your mouth. Hmm, that's interesting. That's the second action toward receiving the implanted word. Close your mouth, says James. I think it's interesting. Someone once said, the Lord gave us uh, two ears we could not close and a mouth we could. <laughs> and I wonder if James is thinking kind of like along those lines. Open your ears, but do close your mouth. James actually says, be slow to speak. We know that. Here in verse 19, slow to speak. But I think close your mouth pretty much says it, doesn't it? In the context, James is talking about, again, he's talking about God's Word. And he's talking about our attitude toward God's, towards God's Word. And what he's challenging us with here is that we not be too quick to claim we know it all about God's Word already. I've heard that before. You don't need to tell me again. <laughs> and we can be that way, can't we? I know I've, I've uh, heard correction. Uh, from others before, reminding me of truths I've heard in God's Word, and I'll say, yeah, I know, I know. And it's like, yeah, but I need to be reminded, right? We know these things often. We hear repeatedly again and again, especially if you're reading in God's Word faithfully, you're going to see repeating themes and ideas throughout the Scriptures that tie the whole book together. And, and God graciously does that because we need to be reminded and we need to close our mouths and listen carefully we need to open our ears and close our mouths. 
We ought not be too quick to stop listening and start talking about God's Word. We ought to be careful to listen. Hold your tongue for a bit. Don't claim to know all you need to know from God's Word. Be silent before the Word. We talked about this a little bit in our Sunday school hour this morning about having the mind of Christ and how we get there. And and one of the, the ideas that we talked about, one of the suggestions was that we need to find a place to be quiet before the Lord. We need to remove distractions. We need to make habits in our lives. We need to have good habits about getting before God's Word and being quiet before the Lord. Close our mouths. And that might mean closing off some distractions around you, be it the radio or the television or your day, even your your plans. You can easily get distracted by your thoughts while you're to be thinking about God's Word. Let God's Word teach you before you open your mouth about it. Let it instruct your heart. And certainly James is not saying that we can't talk about God's Word. We should. And it's not that we can't interact with and talk with other people about God's Word. We should. But the admonition here is don't be the one who's never silent before the Word of truth. Open your ears to receive the implanted Word. Close your mouth so you can hear it clearly. Let God's Word do its work in you. Don't be quick to argue with God over His Word. Be slow to speak. And we all know two people can't carry on a reasonable conversation if they are both only talking, right? And nobody's listening and everybody's talking. We're just talking at each other and neither one of us is listening to the other. If you won't close your mouth and open your ears, God will not give you His wisdom. God longs for you to have His wisdom, but if you're, if you're refusing to hear, He won't give it to you. Now here's the third action toward receiving the implanted word. We must practice. I I call this putting on the brakes. Put on the brakes. Look at verses 19 and 20. Be slow to anger, says James. And verse 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Put the brakes on your anger. Now again, this is about God's word. What do you do when God's Word cuts you like the two-edged sword that it is? How do you respond to the Word of God, as Hebrews 4.12 describes, when it becomes that living and active, sharper than than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart? What do you do when God's Word exposes your true intentions? Your true heart desires. You might be saying, I want to honor God. I want to do His will. And as you read His Word, you begin to find out, you know what, my motives are kind of selfish. And I may be saying I want God to be glorified, but I'm really trying to get my own way here. What do you do when God's Word exposes the sinful intentions of your heart? Do you get angry? That's possible. Do you resist the Word of God? That's possible. Or do you put the brakes on your anger Because you know God only gives good gifts. We've heard James say it already, haven't we? And this is why he says it. We need God's Word. And part of that is is a wonderful gift. The the Word of God is a wonderful gift from God. It's only a good gift. Do Do you resist your urge to resist the Word of truth? Because you know with all your heart that your anger against the Word of truth does not produce the righteousness of God. If you want to grow your strength of faith, you're going to stop getting angry when the Word of God corrects you. You're going to stop resisting God. You're going to stop turning away from God in anger and His Word in anger when it steps on your toes. 
When the Word of God corrects you, you will start getting humble instead of getting angry. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. There's a precious promise for the one who humbles himself before God's Word. You know, God never resists the humble believer. You realize that? God is never going to push you away if you're humble before Him. He gives grace to the humble believer, but resist the proud, says James 4.6. So put the brakes on your anger when God's Word convicts and put on the humility God requires of His obedient children. Now, if you'd like an illustration of what the opposite will do, this is uh, that is anger. Think about anger and what it will do to your family. Just think of what anger would do to your family if unchecked. Think of what unchecked anger will do to your marriage, to your children. We know, don't we, that in our personal relationships, if we do not put the brakes on our anger, we will destroy our relationships, don't we? Do you have an anger problem? And I'm talking about when you get to God's Word, do you resist? And you find yourself subtly ignoring the passages you've heard before because you know they speak too close to the things you treasure which are not pleasing to God. Think of what anger unchecked in your spiritual life will do. Let the Word of Truth do its corrective work in your heart and your mind. Put the brakes on your anger. Otherwise, your anger will put the brakes on your spiritual life. You will not grow spiritually. You will not honor God in your life if you do not stop resisting the Word of Truth as it corrects you. Now, here's the fourth action toward receiving the implanted Word. And it's simply this. Put off. Okay, you put on the brakes and you put off. James says, verse 21, look at it. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. I call that putting off. Because the idea here is like shedding a, a, a filthy change of clothing. What James is pointing to here is all the sinful ways of thinking and speaking and living that are a part of the old life before Christ and the implanted word. Get rid of it. Don't have anything to do with those things. Move it out. Put it off. Be done with it. It's like taking off a filthy change of clothing. You've gone out. Think of the dirtiest job you've got around your house. And you've been doing it all day, and by the end of the day, you're filthy and sweaty and grungy, at least if you're a guy, you are. And when you get in the house, what do you do? You get rid of that change of clothing, and it drops in a big nasty pile, and you hop in the shower, you get clean, you put on clean clothes, right? You get rid of those things. And James is saying here, that's what you're to do with your old way of life. Don't let your old way of life and those sinful things remain. Don't give them room to take up residence in your spiritual life. They will ruin you. As you get God's Word into you, the Lord starts to show you areas of your life that are still like your former life before faith in Christ. And I'm not suggesting that this happens overnight. It could happen over many, many years. You begin to say, hey, I'm, still, I'm still doing things like I'm an unbeliever. I'm still dealing with this issue. And God is convicting me about that. I need to get that out of here. Move it out. As you get into God's Word, and as the Lord exposes areas of, of darkness with the light of His Word, you need to get serious about your old way of living and put on the new way of living. Maybe it's the way you think. Or maybe it's the way you speak to your spouse or your children or the way you do your work or the way you do your business. When you read the Bible with humility, God does amazing things. He begins to 
humbly show you with his word and powerfully correct your thinking and correct your life. God starts to change your desires and change your appetites. And James is saying here that the believer who wants to grow is going to get with God's program, get with God's plan. And they're going to agree with God that there's a change that needs to take place and that they need to put off the old way of living, that filthy and sinful way of thinking and speaking and living and all that's contrary to God's Word and displeasing to Him. The the believer who's serious about his spiritual growth is going to say, I need to put on the brakes on my anger and I need to put off the old way of living. And then the fifth action toward receiving the implanted Word is open your hands. Open your hands. In other words, open your heart, open your mind, open your life, and meekly, humbly accept the word of truth. Says James, verse 21, and receive with meekness the implanted word. And and how powerful is this word? Remember this, says James, which is able to save your souls. That's a lot. Uh, that's a lot like um, like uh, opening your hands and receiving a gift, isn't it? Think about the saving of your souls. Is that something you worked in yourself? No, it's a gift of God. Now we can do a lot with our hands, and we can say a lot with our hands, can't we? I mean, what would you think if you and I were talking and I put up my fists? <laughs> you would not like that, right? You would go, "Huh, this looks like a fight." No, thank you, right? Or maybe you'd just clean my clock and get it over with. That's possible. If I put up my fist, you'd say, hey, there's a fight going to happen here. That's not good. What if I put up my hands? You're speaking to me, and I, and I, and I do this. <laughs> you go, I'm, what? you don't want to hear what I have to say. You don't agree with me. You disagree. You're, I'm saying stop. No thanks. Right? I don't need what you're saying to me. That's what we say, right? What if I put my hands over my ears? That's pretty obvious. I'm not listening. Or like when you were kids, la 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 la. Right? If you put your hands over your ears, it's pretty you know it's a pretty serious sign. You're done with the conversation. What if I were to? Uh, you're speaking, and I do one of these, huh? or yawn. You know? You're uh, you're thinking huh? he doesn't hear what I'm saying, and he doesn't care about what I'm saying. We can communicate a lot with our hands, can't we? God's Word challenges you to open your hands. If I open my hands, you're speaking and you're offering me advice and I'm saying like this, I'll take it, give it to me. God's Word says open your hands. Open your hands, says James. Palms up, (laughs) arms open. Receive the wisdom of God, which is able to save your soul. If I open my hands, I'm open to receiving, right? If I open my hands, I'm open to hearing. So we can hear this idea and what James is saying here. Open your hands to God's implanted word. God has given you an incredible gift. Receive it. And by that, I mean don't put your fists up as if to fight against God's word. Don't put your hands up as if to stop God's word. Don't put your hands over your ears as if to say, I don't need what you're saying. Don't look at your watch or yawn as if you're indifferent to what God's Word is saying. But do open your hands. 
do receive the wisdom of God's Word. What James is telling us is that we must open our hearts, we must open our lives as God pours in and implants this, the wonderful truth of His Word in our lives so that we might be more like His Son. Receive God's Word with humility. This is all possible because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins. That is the saving power of God's Word on display in the life and death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's want, God wants that Word in you to save your your life, so to speak, as He changes you and corrects you from your old way of thinking and helps you put on the new way of thinking. Accept it. God was thinking of you when He gave His Word. Accept it. Believe it. Read it. Obey it. Open your hands. Receive with meekness the Word because it's for your good. God only gives good gifts, right? And the Word is a powerful demonstration of that. Receive with meekness the Word because it's for your good. Receive it. Obey it. Allow yourself to be changed and corrected by God's Word and you're going to grow and you're going to mature and you will be strengthened in your faith to face whatever comes your way because that is God's intent with His Word. His intent with His Word is to equip you for all of life's circumstances. Open your hands, right? Be quick to hear. Open those ears. Be slow to speak. Close the mouth. Be slow to anger. Put the brakes on your anger against God's Word. Do not resist. Why? Because God's Word is powerful. It is effective. It is intended for your good. God loves it when when His children open themselves to His Word and receive with meekness the implanted word, get serious about living a holy life. And I mean, be done with the sinful things of your old lifestyle before Christ. Put away that rampant wickedness and that filthiness and be done with it and receive, open your hands and receive God's word. And by the power of Christ, God will change you and he will change your life and it will all be for your good. Oh, that we would humble ourselves before God's Word always, always.